You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of Break a Bat where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Tonight, we're actually going to be joined by the very first Tony winner we've ever had on the program. And since our special guest has, in fact, won two Tony Awards, this is almost like talking to a Frank Robinson or Ernie Banks, if you want to draw a little baseball parallel in the Broadway world. Um, My guest tonight began his career on Broadway all the way back in 1997 when he made his Broadway debut in Rent. Uh, He's since gone on to originate roles in some of my favorite productions of all time. You know how much I love the last five years. Wicked, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Catch Me If You Can, Big Fish, the list goes on and on. Uh, In addition to everything he's accomplished on stage and screen, he's also one of the biggest baseball fans on Broadway. Uh, Having grown up in St. Louis, he's one of the most passionate Cardinals fans that you're going to find in New York. And I'm so stoked to talk some uh, baseball and Broadway with him tonight as he shows me his Cardinals swag. So with that being said, I'll ask you all to please turn your attention to home plate. Just beyond the marquee, now batting Norbert Leo Butts. Norbert, welcome. Thanks, Al. That was a lot of metaphors you got in there, man. That was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you took the Ernie Banks call as a compliment. I know oh he was a cop, but he's a Hall was, of Famer, right? That's, uh, yeah, that's a little over the top. Um, uh, my favorite Cardinal of all time, though, is Ozzie Smith. Although I, I was a big Keith Hernandez fan, too. So um, Ozzie Smith, always my favorite Cardinal. God, you're bringing me. I, I did not catch. I see I'm old, so like you know, <laughs> I'm going back to that incredible club in the in the 80s and the early 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah, the Whitey Herzog teams, the best. Exactly. You know what amazes me about those teams is that that core group was intact for most of the late 80s. They went mm-hmm. to three different game sevens. I think had Don Denkinger not screwed up in 85, you might be talking about one of the best baseball dynasties of the modern era. Would you agree with that? Of course I would. And to be a kid at that time, I mean, so I graduated from high school in 1986. So we won the series 85, 87. We won again, beat the Royals. Um, or no, Royals beat the Cardinals. We had, like you said, we had three um, 
uh, World Series in that in that time with that team, and you know, to be 14, 15, 16 years old when all that was going on and really fall in love with the sport um, was amazing. That was amazing. So I, 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 I kind of like you. I was that was the same time I was really falling in love with acting and music. So I had those heroes, but then I had, you know, Keith Hernandez and and uh, and Ozzy Smith and um the, that incredible lineup there man incredible guys oh, i mean it it amazed me i mean willie mcgee was another guy it's yes. like oh my gosh and the bruce Suter, hall of fame closer it was like yeah. it was just such like all those names are so recognizable yeah. but i mean but none more so than ozzy smith obviously i and and, I, and, I wish and, saw him. and and the credit has to be also given to, to whitey herzog you know there are legendary coaches you know who who are kind of mythical, you know, and he's one of them, even the name, you know, it's just, it's just a great baseball manager name, you know, with that white cropped hair and what a leader he was. I was listening. Cardinals are not uh, having the greatest uh, June so far. Um, our team is struggling right now. And I was listening to a Cardinals podcast that I listened to earlier in the day and, you know, the blame was coming to Schilt and, the management and all that kind of stuff. And you really remember in baseball how much uh, like the CEO of any company or the president, how much the blame is laid at the feet of ma- of, of, of the management and, and, and the coaching staff. Um, she, it just reminds me of the pressure of that position. And a guy like, you know, you get your guys like Whitey Herzog that could handle that pressure and and keep all that grace and guts. It, it was such a great time. Yeah. I hope, uh, you know, you've done a lot of great things on Broadway. Have you worked for many directors, uh, who haven't been able to do that, so to speak, to keep that grace among the cast? <laughs> oh, sure. I, of course I've worked with lousy directors and had, had, but not just in my field, you know, leadership in general is, you know, that's what a great director is. And, you know, it's a, it's a gift. When people have those leadership skills, um, I've mostly worked with amazing directors and incredible teachers. But yeah, there's bad apples everywhere. Were you a Tony Larusa guy? Um, of course. I mean, um, yeah, are you asking like personally or as a as a manager? Not, no, not his driving record, but just as far as did he <laughs> like his style of managing? And you know, the fact that he's still involved in baseball today kind of amazes me a little bit because I, I, you know, we've seen already he's all of two and a half months into his tenure with the White Sox after being right. out of the game for so long and having these communication issues with his players. I wasn't sure if I mean he used to he was the manager for McGuire and. Pujols, Jim Edmonds, all those guys, much more of an old school breed. But I feel like the off the field stuff for a lot of Cardinals fans has kind of uh, tainted his legacy a little bit. So I wasn't sure how you sort of viewed him. I mean, I I don't want to opine on on anything personal about him. All I can say is the White Sox just smoked the Cardinals. And so, you know, he's still (laughs) coaching good ball, you know, so you have to give somebody just like you said, the length of the career is it's brutal right professional sports of any kind anything at that level uh the pressure you know um so for these guys who last that long i think props got to be given you know definitely in in my field 
<laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Were you playing ball before you started acting? I feel like for guys like us, you kind of go from the field, you know, little league or, you know, junior high ball to the stage. Is that how it worked for you? I went, I played everything growing up and was not good at anything necessarily. I was fast. So I went to Catholic education all the way through, right? So uh, from St. Louis, Missouri, and at our, our, our school was small. It was a small local parochial school right in the city of St. Louis. I was in a class of maybe 20 kids, maybe like nine guys. And so, you know, we had a baseball program, whatever the Catholic youth, baseball, soccer, uh, basketball, those were the three sports you had to play. If, if all nine or 10 kids didn't play, you couldn't have a team depending, you know? Um, so I played everything from first grade all the way up to eighth grade. Soccer is what I, if I had any ability as an athlete, it was really as a soccer player. And I played that through middle school and a year in high school. And, um, and I was fast, but I was a lousy baseball player. I was afraid of the ball. I was, no, I was terrible. I didn't, I, it wasn't. And like I said, um, I, I, it, it wasn't until as, as an adult really, um, that, the the strategic parts of the game and the mental parts of the game and how subtle and sophisticated it all is none of that was all lost on me as a kid. Um, you know, in terms of playing it, but, but yes, I did play growing up. Yeah. Um, and I had, you know, I'm one of 11 kids, you know, no halves, no steps, one mom, one dad, you know, all 11 were theirs Have seven brothers. So we were our own team. I mean, basically, you know, in the alley, um, behind our house, we had stick ball games that would last for hours or whatever your street ball was. That's really mostly what we did. Um, and I was always this, I'm the, I was the small, I'm the seventh kid in my family. So I have older brothers, several of them, great athletes. I couldn't even compete. I'm, I'm this, I was the shortest, the smallest, <laughs> you know, I got my butt kicked playing sports with my brothers, but, uh, I guess it made me have a thick skin, which was, is good for the profession that I chose, I guess. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Now, did you have any, were any of your older siblings into the acting or the drama clubs in school? Is that kind of how you got hooked on it or was it some from something else? Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of a combination of things. So I would say first it was music. Uh, my family is really musical, you know, big Catholic family. We didn't have a lot of money. It was a, a piano in the living room and, um, everybody just sort of gravitated to it. My parents, uh, were really religious. Um, my dad, a, a super strict Catholic. My mom, actually, a super strict evangelical. <laughs> so we had to go to mass with my dad, and then we'd still go to like Wednesday night church and prayer meetings with my mom. So it was like all church all the time. And so we all learned how to sing, you know, so all the hymns in the choirs. It's the first per place I heard harmony, you know, is the first. Um, and my oldest brother played guitar in the church band, and we all learned a few chords. And then the next brother, my dad's, my grandparents are from Germany. My next brother started playing the accordion. And then we all, grew, you know, so we had an accordion, a guitar, a piano went around the house. And so it was really music and singing first. Um, but then, yeah, uh, I had 
two brothers uh, older than me who were in their school musicals. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. So my oldest brother is 10 years older than me. So I'd be like seven or eight years old and going to see the high school shows and just being, uh, you know, we're talking like Midwest Catholic high school production of like the King and I, like right now it would have been so canceled so quickly, like, like Brown makeup, you know, painted on Asian eyes. This is like this late seventies, early eighties, you know, spray paint in the hair to cover all the blonde. But that whole idea um, that the kids from my neighborhood and, you know, oh, my babysitter or the guy from church, they're all like so exotic looking. Uh, it was definitely a huge inspiration to me. And just that whole idea that I could transform myself and be somebody else beside this sort of like, you know, sort of uh, very provincial kind of Catholic kid in this family, you know, uh, I could distinguish myself in some way or, or even escape a little bit. You know, like I said, it was a big family and a noisy and we didn't have, you know, a lot of the creature comforts. And so it was a place for me to kind of, I think my imagination started to really take off. And so maybe that's why I didn't continue to, to be as interested in, in sports, especially soccer, which I really did love, was because the acting and the music, the, ima the Im imagination, uh, the sports didn't do that to my mind. Um, but they must have rubbed off somewhere because uh, people have described me as a very physical sort of actor. Um, and it doesn't, you know, and I think musicals is what I gravitated to because of the kinetic energy. Um, and athleticism, really, that it takes to do a Broadway musical. Um, Susan Stroman actually said that of uh, Nathan Lane and uh, Matthew Broderick when they were doing the producers, you know, she called them great athletes of the theater. And, and that's really what they are. That's really what we do. Um, and I've always, I have always felt a kinship with professional athletes in that way. Um, it's, it's much closer to, to what an eight show schedule is uh, a week on Broadway, you know, um, the body maintenance, the, uh, the injuries, the, um, the, the, the constant, um, the micromanaging of diet and exercise and, and, and limbering up all of those things. And we were talking about the Cardinals here. I know I'm going off, but, um, we have been so plagued by injuries, right? That's our problem this year, right? We've got all these guys benched and, you know, you know this as well as I, the strength of your club, it, it, it's it's completely related to the health of your players. The same is true of a Broadway show, especially in the long-term maintenance of that show. You have shows where people start to get hurt left and right, you know, injuries happening. Sometimes it's because you're on a raked stage. Sometimes it's because the choreography is wrong. It's too difficult to do eight times a week. And so... Um, there are a, a, a lot of similarities between a Broadway performer and a professional athlete. Now you're doing what you love, but be real with me for a second. I mean, you talk okay. about the toll it takes on your body, all the maintenance you have to do to stay in shape, especially depending on the role you're taking on. Does life suck once you leave the theater? Like outside of like your family and friends, like all the little stuff in between though, does, does it just like, do you, do you hate it 
like do you hate that part of it do you mean like returning to real life like returning to real life but the real life is you know you're putting yourself into a frame of mind where oh shoot i want to have two slices of pizza after the show but i can't because i got to be able to make sure i fit into my costume like do you hate that part of it or does what the reward you get on stage make up for it I mean, hate is a strong word. Um, it's it is a challenge. It's it. I hear what you're saying now. You, you, um, I think what you're saying is something that is a huge challenge um, when you're doing a Broadway show. Um, you sign up for a sh- uh, or, or even a play. It really does ask all of you, all of your concentration, all of your physical strength, all of your imagination, all of your heart, your whole soul. And so, yes, you have to monitor yourself all week long. It's this kind of um, highly disciplined state of living, which I find very challenging. Uh, And it's not germane to me. I don't do that instinctually. I'm kind of a very instinctual person. If I want to eat this, I eat it. If I don't, but you're absolutely right. You know, Um, you start preparing for the show that night from the minute you wake up. It's really true. I've been doing it a long time. And so you learn how to um, keep a few plates in the air. I can still do my life and take care of my kids and you know do the errands and walk the dogs and be a husband and be a dad. But always at, you know, not far from the frontal cortex is that show that's coming up in a few hours. So right upon waking, you test out the voice, you do, you see what's left from last night and you start from there. You feel your body, you get out, you do a couple of straight stretches um, and you go about your day, but um, there's no mistaking that you are uh, taking, almost like taking data um, on, on, on your, your physical apparatus all day long. Um, and you just learn how to synthesize that. Um, but yeah, man, it can be a drag sometimes. It's mostly a drag. I think what you're asking about is when it infringes on your personal life, like not being able to make weddings or not being able to do, you know what I mean, family things. You, you, you There are certain personal days you can get, but you sign that contract just like a baseball player. Do you know what I'm saying? They don't get, um, they don't get to miss, you know, uh, uh, a doubleheader with the Cubs because someone's daughter is graduating from kindergarten. Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, and, and yeah, sometimes you can go, yeah, I wish I could do that. I wish I could have it all. Um, but I do, for me, it, it was my, my calling. And so it, I've, I've made peace with that, you know? Yeah. Now you talk about not being able to miss things. I find this kind of cool. And I'm curious to hear if you and I think the same way on this front. You were originating your role in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels during the 06 season. The Cards went on to win that October. Yes, Catch Me did. If You Can, 2011. They won right during the heart of your run on that with that show. Actually, so- I have to correct you. The Cardinals went to the World Series in, in 06, but they lost to Boston. No, that was 04. 06, they beat Detroit. Oh, Al, you are so right. 
in 04, I was doing the Out of Town Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with John Lithgow, who was a big <laughs> Boston fan, and I'm a big Cardinals fan, and we would be on stage with the transistor radio. <laughs> oh, were you really? And I think I was on stage when we lost that um, lost that series. I was, yes, that I guess, because I get my years mixed up. I remember that very well. Well, what I was going to ask you was like, for me, for example, I'll piece together different events I've had in my life to different chapters of Yankee baseball. Like for example, Jeter's 3000th hit, oh, 21st birthday trip to California. Do you look back and say like, oh, Pujols three home run game in the world series, Carl Hanrady. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, now you're, you're, you're uh, reminding me. So oh four. Oh four was dirty rotten scoundrels with Lithgow. Oh six. During that World Series, I definitely remember where I was in the sixth game, which we needed to win because it went to seven games, right? Wait a second. Wait, am I? I if I recall, 06 went to that was that was a five game series, but 2011 was the was the seven game series against uh, Texas. The 2011 series final game. I'm on a movie set. I am shooting an intimate scene with the with an actress, and we have to pretend to have sex. And I only say this because that game was going on. And when it came time to shoot the scene, the actress started having a disagreement with the director. He, you know, it. it I, I can't remember if if she had didn't sign a nudity clause or something. They were hammering this out. And I was like, please, please just make a decision. Because I, again, I had the phone under the bed while I'm in the bed with like a little thong on, right? The rest of me is in the buff. And, and I can't let them know that I'm listening to this game. <laughs> that I remember, and I would never say who that actress was, uh, um, and I just remembered, I remembered the actress was saying, but I don't want to show that. And I just said, you know what? I'll show everything because I just wanted to get the shot. <laughs> so I was like, this game, it's so terrible. Um, and, and that's what we did. Um, that's what we did. I think you can see my ass in the shot. Um, that was the quickest solution to the shot. So I could get back to the game. That's terrible. <laughs> So now we're going to know who the actress is. If we uh, hunt down your IMDb, check the uh, years. Yeah, and... if, you, if you need to do all that, then, you know. Get, you got you know, bigger problems. <laughs> you yeah. need to do all that. Have at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Now, you've been in New York a while now. I have to know. Who's more passionate in your eyes, the Yankee Met fans or the Cardinal fans? Oh, well, just, you know, it's, it's about size. I mean, my God, St. Louis is a, is a small town compared to New York City. I'm always astonished at just how large just Brooklyn is, right? Just, just the borough of Brooklyn. Uh, St. Louis is like a, a little river town. Uh, but I, I think we give them a run. What we lack in, you know, numbers, we, we make up for in, in orneriness. <laughs> no i think um cardinals fans are really really passionate but cardinals fans don't go the way of a lot of clubs you know that we don't have to mention you know um the red sox (laughs) yeah you know we don't we don't have um you don't see players getting booed you know former players people generally stay i mean there's like i said bad apples but we're we're generally uh it's a baseball-loving town, truly loving the sport of, of baseball. Um, we have great fans, though. Have you been to the ballpark in St. Louis? I, have I call it the privilege. I call it the new ballpark because I'm still like in Bush Stadium. You know, in my mind, that's that's how old I am. But it really is beautiful. They did a gorgeous job with it. Um, they have. I know. I remember when the old one was closing in 05. So the Yankees were facing the Cardinals for the first time in St. Louis because of interleague play was still all of what, seven, eight years old at that point. I remember they had Joe Torrey. They like uh, would reduce the number for how many home games were left. And I remember, you know, you remember Joe Torrey, of course, great Cardinals player. Then he managed the team. They had him, you know, pull the lever down. Um, The old one had so much character, but what I like about that ballpark is uh, the new one, anyway, they've been able to not make it a carbon copy, but it really is inspired mm-hmm. out of the old one. Whereas a lot of the new ballparks, I don't know if you can necessarily say that. I mean, there's very little character from the house that Ruth built um, at this new Yankee Stadium. I, I agree. Um, I agree. You you said Jotori, and um, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting. He's a Broadway fan, and he came to seek. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And I remember him coming backstage. And I'm not particularly nervous to meet famous actors. or um, uh, uh, We're all, you know, you, we, we know our own kind. Um, I'm not really that impressed with sort of acting royalty. But sports royalty or music royalty, I sometimes get. And Joe Torre was there on the same night that Keith Hernandez was there. Um, and I just loved Keith Hernandez. He has you know, a great comeback story, such a long career. I think he's had such a great post-baseball life. And, and I just remember they were, they were the same night, and I was just overwhelmed. I was geeking out. Um, it was pretty thrilling. Um, but that's the beautiful thing. You know, New Yorkers, I mean, it's, you know, you're doing this Broadway and baseball thing. That's the beautiful thing about New York. You would never find that combination in St. Louis, right? You would be a sports fan or you'd be in, into the arts. In New York, it's like, hey, man, Broadway, baseball, you know, it's it's New York. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's all equally part of the identity 
of, of you guys. It's, it's a very beautiful thing. Very cool. Well, thanks. I'm glad you appreciate what we do. And, you know, it seems, it sounds like you, you kind of grew up the same way I did. The fact that you lived in a house that embraced the music, that embraced the arts and your dad was still taking you to the, to the ballpark. I mean, that's just yeah. like, what a beautiful gift as a kid, right? Totally. My dad, the, the music coming in, that was on my mom's side of the family. My dad was the rabid sports fan. My dad actually was a, a sold peanuts and cold Cokes at, at Old Bush Stadium, you know, when he was 12, 13, 14 years old, those were his first jobs um, and had season tickets as an old man. So he lived at that ballpark and not just the St. Louis Cardinals, man. everything, every sports team, and not even just our professional sports, our college sports. We went to the hockey was always, that was a very special treat. My dad, like I said, he had 11 kids. Hockey is a an elite sport in Missouri. Those tickets were always too expensive, way too dear for our working class family. But maybe once every couple of years on a birthday, you got to go to a hockey game. But, you know, the, the, the St. Louis football Cardinals and then, of course, the Rams, you know, that, that was all part. But then even like my dad was into like, we were an arts house, but we were really a sports house, man. The indoor soccer league, the St. Louis Steamers we had for a while. We have St. Louis University there, Mizzou football, Mizzou basketball, all of that stuff we went to. All of it. My dad was at a sporting event. I'm not kidding you, Al, five nights out of seven. It was my mom's side that was really musical. And um, and I think the arts bug was was bit there. Yeah. So it was a good, they were a good combination, my parents, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Norbert, I'm a fan of yours, and I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I've never heard the answer. Out of all the stuff you've done on Broadway, what is your favorite role? Because, I mean, I've seen you in, I, I saw you in the OBC of Wicked when we went on a middle school field trip to see it in 2004. Catch Me If You Can, one of my favorite shows I've talked about on this podcast before, how much I love the last five years, which I know technically wasn't on Broadway, but like, with all the cool stuff that you've gotten to done, do you ever sit around and rank them and, you know, pick a favorite? <laughs> um, I don't really. Um, you, your, your, your favorite one is whatever you're doing at the time. Um, you, I, I'm actually wary of, of looking back too much and, and spending too much time going, Oh yeah, that show, that show. Like, pondering about the career because i'm all about like moving velocity like moving forward um but uh i'm grateful for every job i've had it's a really hard it's a hard business to stay employed it's a hard business to stay you know actively employed and to make a living at this um so i'm super lucky that i've gotten to do it as long as i have um Certain shows were really heartbreaking because they closed too early, you know. Other shows you you love, but they're really successful, and then you get like super burned out because you've been doing it for a year. So it's it's um, they're all. Don't make me pick between my children, you know. Don't make me pick. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You know what? Not that I'm I've been in any Broadway cast or that I've played on any Yankee teams, but if people ask me my favorite show to see there's different or favorite show that I have seen. 
there's different answers depending on how fondly I guess I'm looking back on that chapter in my life. And, and the same with the Yankee teams as well. Like, you know, there were certain things about 1999 that was special because I was nine years old and watching with my dad. And then there's certain things that were special about 2009 because mm-hmm. I was in college in a different chapter of my life and, you know, kind of becoming a man at that point. So it's, yeah, not that I consider, uh, any of the Yankee World Series teams to be my children, but it's the experiences that go along with them that just makes everything so unique and have such a unique identity. So of I course. totally get why you why you put it that way. And you know, there there are some jobs that you know, great shows, great projects, but like maybe something was going on that year personally that was super hard for you. So it's like, oh, my life really sucked at that time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, associated with that is this show and it wasn't the show's fault you know this it's just your job but um yeah so but i'm super grateful for all of them man yeah well you've certainly done some good ones and you've accomplished a lot norbert but uh now it's about to get a little bit tough here on breakabout because we do this little segment to wrap every show called uh fastball derby oh geez yeah man i want you to picture yourself in the batter's box Ninth inning, games on the line. You got to think quick because Araldus Chapman is on the mound throwing 105 miles an hour. So you got to put your best swing out there. You're also a great storyteller, so don't don't feel like you have to be right. I hope I can swing better than my guys have been swinging the last couple of weeks. Holy crap, man. (laughs) We are just not hitting that ball. Ugh. We got to get Goldie going. We got to, I mean, Arenado started to come alive a little bit compared to the beginning of the season, but I think, I think that you're going to swing a power, better power bat than, than those guys for this segment. But you know, we don't, we don't have a, the Cardinals are an interesting team, right? Because we've had these eras with that monster hitter, you know, a Pujols, you know, or. Maguire, although that's <laughs> a whole other story. You know, we don't we don't have that. We've always in the and I think our I love Cardinals baseball because we have we've been lacking those bigger funds. You know what I mean? We've been a full team team. Do you know what I mean? We chip away at it. You know, one at bat at a time. Um, lots of singles and lots of doubles can still bring in a lot of runs. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to. All the, all the home runs, are, um, but we're just not, we're not hitting that ball right now. So hopefully that's going to change. All right. Let me have them. Let me have them. All right. Batter up. Favorite New York city meal. Oh, um, um, okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say a steak. I'm going to say a steak at that place. Down the street from Wicked, it was so good. Is it Gallagher? Wait, no. Irish there is. Uh, well, there is a Gallagher Steakhouse that I don't now. The Gershwin I'm trying to think is on. Is Gershwin on Fifty First? Yeah, Gershwin's on Fifty First. I don't remember if it's on. Is it right by Ruth's Chris? Because there, there's like I think Gallagher's for some reason is right by Ruth's Chris, which yeah, in the forties, but I could be wrong about that. That's but do you like a New York City steak though? Yeah, that was that was a great meal. Yeah. I just remember that steak. I was going to say my favorite meal was this restaurant called Sosa Barella, which used to be on 9th, and it was Argentinian. It was also amazing Argentinian beef. They still might have their downtown uh, um, location. But yeah, a good steak. That was a pretty, that was a weak swing. Give me another one. (laughs) 
greatest Cardinals game you've ever been to? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I can't think of a specific one, but I would have to say I did go to, I guess I went to the second game of our series in, in 87 that we that we ended up losing to to the Royals. And that's the only I just say that cuz it's the only World Series game I've I've ever been to and to be a part um even though we lost the night that I that I went was astonishing. I've never felt that energy before or since. Yeah. 87 World Series, yeah. Wow. Actor or actress you learned the most from? Hmm. God, that's so hard. I'll say John Lithgow. It's a great choice. Yeah, I learned a shit ton from him. Um, not just about about acting and about being in the theater, but just about being in a person. Just a great human, a great uh, friend. Uh, I, I really consider him a mentor in a lot of ways. How he lives his life is is really exemplary. I love John, and he's freaking hilarious he sure is person in the audience you were most nervous or intimidated to perform in front of god that's easy bruce springsteen oh god what he come see is he was he a wicked guy or was he a catch me if you can guy where was he no. come see? so my springsteen story I, I actually told this on another podcast not that long ago but um yeah, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. I grew up as a kid. You know, I was doing classical music as a kid, studying piano and voice. And then my high school girlfriend got me super into old Bruce Springsteen, and I've never looked back. And I switched from piano guitar to guitar because of him. And I started writing songs. And I'm a huge fan. And when I'm in, I have a very strict policy when I'm in a show. I do not like to know who's coming. Some people love it. I don't. It makes me nervous. It makes me self-conscious. I like it to not distinguish a show in any way. Like, oh, this one's got to be extra. I do much better if I just, you know, every show is just like another game that I'm just trying to do my absolute best for. But in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, there's a moment where my character had to do this quick state, quick change on stage, and then like a wall of guys kind of covered me up. And one of the guys in the ensemble said, did you see that Springsteen's in the fourth row? Did you see Springsteen? I was like, fuck, don't, you know. And, and, so, and that was at the top of the first act. So the whole show, sure enough, I, I can see him. He's right on the aisle. And that show was a lot of mucking with the audience and improv and we're looking out to that, you know. I could see him and his wife and their three kids and he was cracking up. So that kind of emboldened me. And then after the show, uh, the stage manager knocks on the door and says, uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen is here. He's in John's dressing room. He'd like to say hello. And I said, uh, I, I was getting out of the shower and I was, I, I was just froze. Um, I remember I downed a beer really quick. I, I no longer drink, but I, I used to drink right after my shows. So I like chugged two beers to just get up some courage. And, um, and I went and I, I, went into John's dressing room and I, and I met him and he was like super gracious, almost shy, you know, and just super complimentary. And his wife was lovely and his kids were super sweet. And then I did this weird thing. I, I was like, and I thanked him. I said, Mr. Springsteen, I just, you know, 
your your music and your writing and your voice have changed my life. He's like, oh, thanks, man, thanks. He was so nice. And I got in my car and I start driving home like it's any other night. And I start to cry. <laughs> and I just wept like for the longest time. And I like I thought about that moment so many times. Like, I don't know if I've ever cried so hard in my life. And it was this weird moment where I think when we're a kid, especially if like I was kind of an outsider kid, I was kind of lonely. I, I really escaped into music, you know, and you create your icons in your head. You, they turn into gods to you. Do you know what I mean? Like larger than life. Like my imagination couldn't comprehend a Springsteen. Like he was an actual human being, you know? And so when I met him, in some ways it was like, it destroyed that, like, he became a man, he became a person. I couldn't. And then I just thought, who am I to have gotten someplace in my life to where Bruce Springsteen would ask to meet me? I don't know. It was this, this strange shift in my mind um, in, of reality. I, I can't really describe it, but it really shook me. And so I, I, after that, I was like, now I, I no longer meet. If there's people that I really am intimidated by, I run in the other direction. <laughs> I'm just too, too overwhelmed by, and I'm not like that with a lot of people, just a few, but Springsteen was definitely one. Wow. Yeah. That's unreal. That's, that's, that's an epic story. I'm th thank you for sharing it. I know you've mentioned, uh, it, it was, a, it was, it, no, it was a really seminal moment in my adult life. As silly as that sounds, um, that's how deeply I identified with the myth of him and what he was creating through his songs. Um, and so it was, it was, it was a really cool moment though. Yeah. And now we're besties. Yeah, I'm meeting him. I'm, I'm meeting him uh, to play pool and have a couple of beers. Uh, yeah, no, I'm only <laughs> Stone Pony, right? That's a spot I've heard in Asbury Park. <laughs> All right, now how about this one? This is a tough one. Proudest moment of your career. Not asking you to pick between your favorite children, but what's the proudest moment of your career? Hmm. Proudest moment of my career. Um. I'm really proud of, uh, this is kind of heavy, but it's just the truth. Um, when I was doing Catch Me If You Can in Seattle in 2009, my, my younger sister was uh, killed very suddenly um, the night before our first preview. She actually lived in Seattle. She was like my best friend in the world. And she was taken really violently. And uh, we had to postpone the show by a few days. and. Uh, we, uh, my parents flew out and we flew her body back to Missouri and, um, we buried her. And then I went straight back to Seattle and, uh, when we opened the show, we opened catch me if you can just four days after her, her murder. And it was, I, I look back and it's some part of me thinks that it was, maybe I look back and I, I should have maybe waited longer, but I'm, I'm so proud. I don't know if I'm proud of myself. I'm so proud of my company, of the company of that musical um, of Catch Me If You Can. They, um, you know, I was in a, my world was really shattered in that, with that event, you know, and uh, they just picked me up and carried me through that performance for the whole run. 
Um, so I did a five week run, you know, just taking uh, four days off. And, um, I was so grateful to have a job that I, to go to, to put my energy into something useful, you know, you just feel so out of control. Um, but that company just surrounded me with love and, and supported me and, and, you know, I get upset and I couldn't get on stage and they just would just literally kind of hold me up and kind of shepherd me through. And they did that all through that run. And then we moved to Broadway and they continued to just really support me and my whole family. It was the first time, I guess, I was so proud to be an actor and to be part of, you know, community is really everything that we do. You know what I mean? Our cast, they become our families. I was telling you earlier, you give up a lot, you know, in terms of time with your family. But the beauty of what I do is the families that we make. It's like a team, just like a great team. Do you know what I mean? When all the players are right, a cast is like that too. And uh, I'm so lucky that that's, do you know what I mean? Like that's my, my, my people at work are, are such beautiful people and, and uh, actors really are, man. Um, we're neurotic and we're, we're, we're a lot to handle, but we have big hearts and my friends who are actors, you know, most all of them have huge hearts. And so they, they saved my ass during that process and got me through it, you know? Um, so that's probably my proudest moment. As sad as it sounds to talk about it, that was just the first thing that came to my head. That was like the hardest thing I ever had to, to do. And um, the fact that those people allowed, uh, uh, gave me the space to do it. Was, I'm super proud of that. And, and, you know, it's a long time ago now. It's 11 years ago. And so I can have that perspective on it and know how freaking lucky I am. Yeah, well, you know, we're... Uh... We're pretty lucky as the Broadway community to have people like you in it, Norbert. Seriously, man. I mean, you're such an inspiration to so many people for what you do on the stage and, you know, the way you carry yourself off of it. There's a lot to be said for that, man. And uh, I, I would like you even if you didn't like baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but let's face it. It's better if you like baseball. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's just so fun. Well, you know what? Now, since we have interleague, some of my favorite Cardinals games have been at Yankee stadium, you know, have been, it's been so great to, to have them up a couple of times a year now, you know, for, for series with Mets and the Yanks. So it's, I can see him right here in my backyard. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll meet there at the park, uh, one of these days in person. And uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy in red. <laughs> hey listen you know what there, there's a people say that oh, there's a yankee way of doing things there's a cardinal way of doing things and like you said it's a great fan base and uh yeah, you're certainly a great part of that one and i'm so grateful i got to chat with you tonight my man thank Thanks. you you too al it's so much fun man absolute blast and uh Thank you to all the folks at home to who listened to Break a Bat tonight. I hope you subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.